This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Night Racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name's Dan Rowlands. I'm joined this evening by Neil Dunworth from the For the Love of Paul McGraw podcast. And Neil, we've had you on enough times now that I've, I've smashed that. I've got, got the kind of tongue twister out of my tongue and got it right every single time, which I'm proud of myself for. Um, we're here to talk about Aston Villa drawing 1-1 with Brentford, which has just finished 45 minutes or so ago. We've come on air pretty pretty soon tonight. John is at the game. Ash is off. Matt's off. So we thought, Neil, we need help. We need a hand. You've done your podcast. Come and chat to us as well. Um, how are you? Everything all right at your end? Everything's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've just done little checks. We were doing my podcast and I noticed I had a cottage pie on the side of my head because my little daughter decided she didn't want to eat her dinner. And uh, it was just happened. So it coincided with Douglas Louise's goal. Um, so she started firing it off the spoon, and um, yeah. So and here, I don't think I have any. If anybody's, I think it, you're go, right. easy on me. go easy on me. Go easy on me. Well, speaking of kids, actually, watching the game live through various means, uh, I missed the the Brentford goal because I was I sat up here. My missus was doing some tidying up and stuff, so I said, "I'll have the baby." Sat on my knee happy days i was holding him like this and he was watching me work he was loving life and all of a sudden i felt my thigh get wet i thought oh that's not me i hope <laughs> and some opened, uh, leaked a little bit of wee so i had to go and change him came back upstairs and and uh, ivan tony's running away celebrating I thought, oh, okay here we go what, what's today's podcast gonna be like having said all that part of me thought because we always score and it was waning a little bit towards the end. Mm. I thought, well, we we might score because we've scored every game under Emery so far, so that there is hope. Um, not the best game, not the best performance, but a good point on the road. And I think a lot of people would have taken a point beforehand in the circumstances that the point came in during the ninety minutes. It feels like a win, if anything. Yeah, I, I'm I'm extremely buoyed by by that point. You know, it's um. It's it's a situation whereby you know when when you're trying to claw your way to Europe and it's still a difficult task one that I still think we can do uh, given the games that we have around us but Brentford was never going to be a cakewalk you know you're going to you're going to Brentford it's it, it, it has been difficult for a lot of teams to go there in the Premier League and uh, we played poorly probably the poorest performance I would say it was probably even poorer performance than. Um, than Leicester, and when I say poor, I want to I want to clarify that in a moment as well. It was just a flat performance, I think, against mm. Leicester. We we created some chances, we couldn't score, and we got that siphoned off at the back. But I think in this game we were we were noticeably flat. We were noticeably um, it was a bit of deflation within the team. 
because of Brentford's tactics and we found them difficult to break down. But, you know, the reason that I'm buoyed by it is that throughout the years, we've seen teams that have snatched a draw from, from defeat. Um, Br- yeah. Brighton did, have done it since they got into the Premier League. They've drawn games they should have lost. And that's what I think the Aston Villa need to get better at. We're nine games unbeaten. We've 19, 19 games scored in a row. There is, uh, you know, there, there's still games ahead where we can claw those points that we need to get to Europe. So getting anything out of a game like today after the way that we played, I think is a serious positive for this team, but mentally and also on the actual league table board as well. Yeah, I think in years gone by, Aston Villa go to lose that game 2-0. 2-1 and kind of capitulate. Got a terrible record at Brentford as well. I know that the stat is something like that we've not won won away since the 1940s. 1947, I think it is off the top of my head. But we've only played them about five times at their place now. But we have, we have been, we were poor against them in the Championship and every time we played them, Brentford played us off the park. Um, it's, it's that kind of cliche. It's a tough place to go, but it is, you know, we, we said in the match preview, I think that John said when he'd spoken to Emery in a pre-match presser that he kind of identified Brentford as being one of the most difficult games that we got left mm. in, in the running, which kind of kind of gives them credit, I guess. Um, but because that Villa have got that stat, and I'm going to read it because Villa have tweeted it before we started. Um, Aston Villa have scored in all 19 league games under Unai Emery, the longest run of a goal-scoring Sorry, the longest run of goal scoring to begin a head coach's reign in the history of the Premier League. And we were saying just before we came on, that doesn't it's even sound. Premier League, yeah. So any manager's first X amount of games, nineteen in this case, no manager has got that far scoring in every game, not winning every game or picking up points in every game, just just scoring goals. It's Thirty years. That sounds about right. Yes. It, it sounds about right because I'm glad you clarified that because I was saying, you know, surely a manager has taken a team that scored um, in more than 19 consecutive games in the Premier League. But if it's his first 19 games, that does make sense. But look, mm. hey, let, let's keep on. Let's keep those records tumbling. Let's make it 20, 21, 22, 23. Let's make it. Let's extend it into next season in the Premier League. Yeah, let's yeah. make it one of those unbeatable records because um, Unai Emery has turned, turned this uh, this uh, oil tanker around and turned it into a speedboat. Um, although we we didn't we didn't really uh you didn't really um look like a speedboat today, but you know getting that point is just I I think if we get to Europe and if we get Europe by a point, it's this point that's got us there. You know, yeah. It really is. I think, and it's this is a stupid kind of hypothetical thing, but because last week against Newcastle United was such a high and the best performance under Emery, if we'd have lost last week and got a point today, I mean to be fair. Like we said at the start, the manner we got the point today feels much better than one singular point to me. It feels like we're on the, the flip side, isn't it? Brentford have lost a point in, in the last few few minutes of the game. We've gained a point, so it feels like more. Because Newcastle was so good last week, it feels like this result isn't that good, really, just compared mm. to last week. But Newcastle and Brentford, two very difficult games, four points. You can't really ask for much more than that. And if you follow it up with a win on Tuesday night against Fulham, which I feel like you know we can beat, I feel like we can beat anybody, but especially at home. Then you've got Man United who have just gone out of the Europa League and you think, well, they're beatable. We were never going to go you know, X amount of games winning mm. in a row. It's already five in a row. It's not going to be six now. This was like the blip. But if you beat Fulham and beat Man United, you go, well, that's unbeaten in 11. This is new, yeah. another couple of wins. It's back back again. So, I mean, we've still got the unbeaten in nine, which is, is a great record, but the, the winning streak is over now, I guess. Um, but still plenty of games to play, plenty of points to play for and... and plenty of positivity I hope amongst the fan base to think well yeah we'll beat Fulham and we'll give United a game and we go again yeah and, and that's the way we should be thinking because um, 
specifically, I think in home games, and I know that we've got a lot of away games to come, but I think specifically in home games, um, and, and, it, and it is going to be, as Emmy Martinez says, it is going to be six more uh, cup finals between now and the end. So I, I, I've said it in a couple of podcasts previously that genuinely there aren't that many better managers that can play cup football, if you want to call it. And what I mean by that is yeah. by game planning week on week on week in Una Emery. Yes, it didn't go to plan today. Thomas Frank, like if Arteta doesn't win the league, if Arsenal don't win the league, it, there's a genuine um, case for De Zerbi, uh, Unai Emery or Thomas Frank to be uh, manager of the year. You know, there's a there, there's a genuine case for that. So, like Thomas Frank is no more either. You know, so um, he got his tactics spot on today. Unai changed things up, and we got our goal out of it. And 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 and, and as I was saying there previously, I've got really good faith in him to have a completely different tactic against Fulham today. I watched Fulham against Leeds and without going into the Fulham preview on it. You know, I thought at times Fulham were lucky, um, mm. but uh, I didn't think it was a great quality game. Um, and I think Villa, being at home, are going to attack that Fulham team really, really quickly. And yeah. uh, we would hope to get back up on the horse of winning again from there. But yeah, as I say, the game planning is going to be super important. But there are a few better that can do it like Unai Emery can. Why do you think it didn't quite work for Villa today? What what was what did Brentford do so well? Because it felt like again, just in comparison to last week's kind of real high level performance, Villa couldn't really get going. They couldn't play their game, and yeah. that's credit to Brentford stopping us effectively. Um, there was three three elements on my initial viewing. I suppose I I I, I reserved the right to change my mind almost in the next five hours um, on this one when I go back to watch it again. But my 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 three thoughts on it is Christian Norgard in the middle of middle midfield for Brentford is just brilliant. I, I just he mightn't always be the the sexiest player on the field or anything, but he's just so dependable. I can imagine you ask any Brentford player who do you love playing with, I would imagine they say they say Norgard in the middle of midfield. Mm. Thought he was really really good. Uh, again, he just anchors everything in the middle. He doesn't get drawn out of out of place. His passing is pretty good, and and, and he's a real linchpin for them there. I thought uh, Aaron Hickey on the left hand side. I thought he kept us really quiet going down that left hand side. Um, I thought that he pushed up very far forward, and he was able to get up there behind the third guy that I thought was really benefit was really um good for Brentford today, or was somebody who they wanted to feed the ball to was that Shade guy, the German German uh, winger paid a lot of money for him. He's a German under twenty one. I think Ashley Young has had better days uh, against people. Um, yeah. I, I I he did okay on him. Um, but I thought his yellow card that he got was 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 pretty pretty. I, I wouldn't be given the other card for it, but Shade was the guy they wanted to feed because they wanted to continue to hammer down that Ashley Young side. And uh, I thought they got joy out of it in the first half. And then in the in the second half, they switched tack again. They actually moved Shade over onto the right-hand side for a portion of it. And that's where our game, game, or the goal came from. So I thought he was a nuisance throughout, albeit he had a horror, yeah. howler miss after after Robin Olsen's um, blip, clanger, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that was a moment I tweeted saying, you know, that that's the moment we've kind of got away with there. Still at nil nil, and you think, right, dig in now. Like, you've had your kind of wake up call. Go out, go out and get something out of this game now. Obviously, ultimately, we'll do more. We'll touch on Arsenal a little bit more in a second. Um, well, let's do it now. Actually, I suppose that's the bit the elephant in the room, isn't it? To a certain extent, the Olsen Martinez swap at half time. Now, John has spoken to Unai Emery after the game already, saying. Before the match, the last meal, he was feeling bad with his stomach. This is Martinez, not Emery or John. Uh, he started the match and played the first half. He wasn't feeling good at half time. Now, what that means is some kind of illness, some kind of 
he's had a leak in his pants like uh, my, like my son had this morning potentially you know what I mean he's obviously felt it unwell the slide tackle that he's come out for at the end of the first half mm. as well and took a, took a, a, a hit from the Brentford player you know if you're not feeling great already that's not going to help either so if he's gone in at half time and thrown up and thought I don't fancy the second half then you kind of go fair enough Martinez the person and the character and the things we know about him you wouldn't expect him to go in there kind of moping and think oh I don't fancy this it was almost probably it must have been that bad if you couldn't carry on with the second yeah. half put it that way yeah, for Olsen to come on, and um, we'll talk about Olsen in two kind of strands in a second because I don't really like the reception to Olsen coming on on social media anyway. At least it's different in the stadium, but that is the, again the elephant in the room that uh, it's a it's got it, it's a hard place to go. You go there and get a point, you take that as a good result. You lose your number one goalkeeper at half time to goalkeeper Robin Olsen, who yes has played in the Champions League and played internationally for Sweden, but for Aston Villa. I think he got a clean sheet against Spurs, but for Aston Villa overall has, has, a lot, has had a largely poor time of it. So to still come away and get the point in the end, given those circumstances as well, that kind of adds uh, an extra layer to it to go, no, that's a mm. really good result because Olsen is nowhere near as good as Martinez. And that's not disrespectful to Olsen, it's, it's how good Martinez is. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, uh, there's levels. Look, you know, there's levels of any player. Um, there is a massive drop off between, um, mm. even though both of them are international quality goalkeepers. Um, you know, you've got somebody who's just been handed the Golden Glove or best FIFA's best goalkeeper in the world this year, and then you've got Robin Olsen, who is been for the last three to four seasons has been a career back has been a backup for those seasons. Um, albeit still playing goals for Sweden. So we're not denigrating the man in any way, shape or form here, but he's just not as good a goalkeeper as, as uh, Martin is. He's not a, goal, a, a better goalkeeper than He's not even as good as him in both of the areas that Unai Emery needs, needs somebody to be really good at. Number one is communication. Yeah. Doesn't come across as a communicator, I call for the goal. I'll stay away from saying that he had anything to do with communication from the goal because I think that's just lack of awareness from Ashley Young. But I think with regards to that, Emmy Martinez is a good communicator when you see him in goals. And secondly, Emmy Martinez has really upped his game with his feet. We didn't yeah. see any of those, any of those maybe 30, 40 uh, yeah, diagonal passes out to the fullbacks because we couldn't play them. And that yeah. really allowed Brentford to really push right up on us because we had to go sideways to the side of our box. 
or we had to go long. And they were dominating us when we went long with the likes of Ben Mee at the back. And we mm. couldn't go sideways because they pushed our wing backs or they pushed our full backs and Shade and Embremo uh, were having great, great, um, uh, great, great, uh, a great time of it out there trying to take the ball off our fullback. So it was a thankless job for the Ashley Youngs and for the Alex Morenos yeah. in the second half. It really was. Um, and it just goes to show that how important having the correct type of goalkeeper is going to be for Unai Emery going forward. Hmm. You thought I used to say that we don't like this to be kind of the anti Robin Olsen show, but. If Martinez isn't fit for Tuesday or going forward, you'd imagine he is. If he's just got a stomach bug or something, you'd expect him to be back fit, ready to go by Tuesday. Um, mm. you know, he'd probably be ready to play in, a, in another couple of hours tonight, never mind for a few more days. But if you have got to rely on Robin Olsen for mo- even another game, let's say, is there a bigger drop-off anywhere else in the squad than Martinez and Olsen? Like if Ashley Young's injured, it's Mike Cash. If it's concert, it's Diego Carlos, I guess. If it's Douglas Luiz, it's then Don, you know what I mean? Yeah, possibly. Duran, I suppose, just because we haven't seen anything of Duran, maybe. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, two, um, two I, very important ends of the pitch, isn't it? Martinez and Watkins, you lose both of them with Olsen and, and Duran, and you go, Christ, Villa in trouble here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and look, as I say, we've been, we have been fortunate in a lot of, uh, with some of the injuries we've had, they've been in areas that we've been decently stacked in. I don't think anyone could ever say we've got a massive squad or our squad depth is our strength, because it just isn't, mm. considering we've had Seb Revan and Travis Patterson, who you know, could have been coming on at some stage today, you know, if injuries had gotten, had, had taken their toll. Um, and that's not to say that they couldn't be a F- uh, Federico Makeda and score a last-minute winner um, like uh, he did against us. But, um, you know, as I say, you kind of, you don't want to be trying to figure out whether they're good players uh, in a run in Europe, you know, in the last six or seven minutes away at, Bright- away at Brentford. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely something that we can't do anything about now, but, I can guarantee you that our subs bench will be unrecognisable in comparison to what it is now to what it will be on the uh, third week in August, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Just on Olsen as well, again, I'm following the game online and via social media and John's Birmingham Live blog as well, of course. Um, But the kind of the reaction that, oh my God, Emmy Martinez is is injured, Robin Olsen's coming on, we've lost. Like, I don't really like stuff like that. I don't like the pre-match kind of hysteria over a team sheet and you go, oh, that's not what I'd have picked. I don't fancy us today. It's like, well, let's just wait and see what the 90 minutes brings first. Let's wait and see what this next 45 minutes brings for Robin Olsen. He might make a great save when we go on to win the game. Ultimately, he flaps at one. <laughs> Doesn't get across the goal line very well for the goal we concede and we, we draw one all, which is, yeah, like we said, a good result. But I think if Martinez is fit, maybe we don't even concede that goal that, that we do. Again, who knows? Um... But yeah, I just don't like the overall reaction to kind of a, a Villa players coming on. And yes, it's only social media, but it's just this kind of oh, heads drop, this collective, oh no, what's going to happen here? He's still a Villa player, he's still going to support him. And until the end of the season, he will be the backup goalkeeper. Next year, you like to think that Robin Olsen won't be there. <laughs> Again, this isn't the anti, anti-Robin Olsen show, it feels like it at the moment. But yeah, just like the overall reaction, like, let's just see what happens before we kind of you know, um, commit ourselves to doom and gloom and say, oh, we've definitely lost because Robin Olsen's playing. Ultimately, we didn't. So, let's celebrate that. Do I tell, do I do I pretend I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say, yeah, you're dead right then? Or do I tell him the truth and tell him that I was spitting feathers? Hmm, <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? Yeah, look, I'm going to be honest with you. The fan in me certainly um, had a kind of a, a groan inside and went, oh, God, what's happening here? You know, Olsen is, is coming on. But, 
Um, you know, I suppose at the end of the day, he's an Aston Villa player, and um, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do that for for many players. I wouldn't do it for. I tried to say I wouldn't do it for any players, but any player. But look, I suppose sometimes the emotion in the game. We're so we're in touching distance to 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 Europe at the moment. And you don't want to see one of your um, probably yeah. your arguably your best player. You know, um, of come off and, and be replaced. But just because Martinez comes off, it isn't Olsen's fault. You know. So Olsen always has a chance to to redeem himself, as you said. He could, you know, have a great game. Like last game of the season last year against Man City, first half, he was blocking pebbles as they were coming at him, you know, and then the second half, maybe not so much. But um, look, it's 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 one of those ones that uh, I think the the training staff or, or Unai Emery or whatever will be pumping fluids into, into Emmy Martinez tonight. He'll be on yeah. an IV or whatever he needs to be to make sure he flushes this out of his system and, and is ready for Tuesday because, uh, you know, no one knows more than Unai Emery how important he is to the style of play. Yeah, I, I don't want to come across either that oh, I didn't walk back in the room and the, the stream was still running and Robin Olsen's running onto the pitch and I went, oh, I kind of went, oh, God, hang on a second, what's happened? Um, but <laughs> I, I, just don't, I just don't like that de- defeatist mentality to get, oh, we've yeah, lost yeah. now because we have we didn't lose in the end and, and we have to thank our lucky stars that hopefully Martinez is back for Tuesday and we go again. But you are right, we're pushing for Europe. You want your number one goalkeeper in there. He's way better than Robin Olsen and, and that's that. Let's move on from Olsen because I feel like if he ends up watching this, he'll be a little bit sad. So let's let's move away. Um, Luca Dean coming on. Let's talk about positive yeah. substitute. Somebody that's probably not had a look in since Moreno's come in and, and rightly so because Moreno's been very good. And Dean, somebody that maybe fans and I've suggested that maybe not be here next season. Depends on if somebody puts an offer in, I suppose, given his, his wages and, and his age, etc. But somebody that's not been involved for, for a, quite a period of time to come on and make an impact be involved for the goal, take a hit to the face and get his get his eyebrow cut or, or whatever it was and still kind of carry on. How that wasn't a free kick. We'll talk about the referee, I suppose. Yeah, poor. Um, but my overall point, Dean coming on and being effective, that's what you want to see from your substitutes, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, it was his cross that goes into the box and, and yes, it bounces around and, and Brentford couldn't clear it. Um, and then we score. And, you know, um, he's... He, Say what you like about Luca Dean, he can cross a ball. He's a really, really great crosser of the ball, and yeah. and he's an international fullback. And it's just the, the the once again Unai Emery's style of play dictates a certain style of player. And he gave uh, um he had a kind of a, a one game on one game off kind of policy between Moreno and Dean, and um, Moreno beat him out in that situation. But Luca Dean, yeah. consummate professional, comes in as you said, yeah, he'll have his his battle wound. Um, he'd be going around like John Rambo for the rest of the week, I'd say, with a bandage in his head. But um, he whips that ball into the box, and uh, it was a, it was a great cross. I, I think there was and the meta behind the madness was I think that we could have continued to try and go around the back of Brentford all we wanted to in that game, but we wouldn't be able to get walk in space. I said in our own post, our own pre match, and our team team sheet tantrum you do before games. I said that I thought it was a favourable matchup for Ali Watkins between Ethan Pinnock and, and Ben Mee, and it should have been. But Brentford's tactics today completely negated us. It wouldn't have, we were unable yeah. to get in around the back of them at all. And uh, you know, Ali Watkins, I'd say barely even. I, I'd say if you were to ask him what colour is David Ray's hair, he mightn't be able to tell you because he barely got a chance to get turned and look at him at all during the whole game. A lot of the game he played with his back to goal, and that's down to Brentford's tactics. Um, you know, so by bringing on a Luca Dean. It allowed us to be able to just whip balls in at will, 
uh, well, not at will, but quick balls in and, and, and get good quality on. And the one that Brentford didn't get clear, we put in the back of the net. So the efficiency rate from that, I thought, was pretty decent. In comparison yeah. to what Brentford did, they had a couple of good chances. They squandered a lot of chances. We were very lucky to get a point out of this. But, you know, at the end of the day, when I Emery made the substitution, it came up, came up trumps again. You know, so um, pat in the back. Man of the match for Aston Villa was Unai Emery again today. <laughs> Douglas Ruiz as well, popping up popping mm-hmm. up with a goal for, I think that's his fourth or fifth of the season now in the league, or fifth overall maybe. Uh, yeah. Popping up at an important time with a, a decent finish, gets on the end of it. Uh, I always like Douglas Ruiz's celebrations. This is kind of a minor talking point away from the actual match, I guess, but he always celebrates with such passion. Like, he loves it, doesn't he? Like the mm-hmm. pictures from, from the goal celebrations or any goal that he scored, he absolutely loves it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's good. Do you know what? And I'm sure when he scored, Buendia was somewhere away from everybody else just doing something mental with the crowd. You know, ever see that? Or, uh, Buendia, whenever we score, Buendia just, wherever he is, he just throws a little, uh, a little party for himself whenever we score. He's a real positive, um, emotional type guy. And, and, and Douglas Luiz is the same. You know, he went in a long period without scoring for Aston Villa. After he comes in, he plays his first game, first against Bournemouth, and whacks one in the top corner. We're like, yes, Tommy Hitzelsberger's back in town. And then all of a sudden he doesn't score for, uh, or he goes in a long period without scoring, starts scoring from corners, and then he starts putting them in like this, getting in like a number eight in, or like a number 10 into the box. Scored another good one against Leicester, I think it was as well. You know, so he's uh, he's fulfilling his potential at Aston Villa and it's looking better and better business by Villa not to sell him, obviously, to, to Arsenal, yeah. but the better business is by tying him up again for another five-year contract in mid-season when no one thought it was it was possible and he potentially could be leaving on a free this summer. So he ain't going anywhere cheap and he isn't going anywhere anyway because I think when Emery sees him as a linchpin within this team. Yeah, I think he's very, very important. I mean, John did a, a video that I think it only went out a couple of weeks ago, but we, rec- yes. we recorded it at like the start of March or something, saying like how important he was. And he's he's been very good this season. And a credit to him because I think he's probably proved including me, a lot of people wrong that thought maybe he's not quite cut out for the Premier League or does he offer enough But when he's playing as a number six? It's not quite his game. The, what he does under Unai Emery is, is much more beneficial to Aston Villa and, and to him as well because he's obviously loving life at the club at the moment, which is mm. which is great to see. Um, we'll kind of semi-wrap up on the game a, a little bit, I think. I think me and John are going to do an episode on Monday because he's been there today and we'll do like a Q&A or something. But the overall, the overall kind of feeling is to be positive, I think. Newcastle and Brentford, both tough games. You come out of that four points, like we said earlier, back that up with a win against Fulham and you, you give United a good game. And I, to be honest, I do think they're beatable. Again, it's a three-game week, isn't it? It's a, it's a crucial period. There's a lot of games. The squad is paper thin, effectively. There's not much depth on the bench. Martinez is hopefully going to be back for Tuesday. You've just got to keep going, haven't you? You've got to try and find a, that kind of relentlessness in, in within yourself as a player to go, okay, like Martinez said after Newcastle, seven more cup finals with six more now. Just keep going, keep pushing. There's still something to be achieved here. And yes, we kind of have that five-game winning streak coming to an end and it would have been lovely to be talking about the sixth and Ollie Watkins getting another goal and all these nice things that we've spoken about for the last three or four weeks. But it's still unbeaten. Nine games yeah. unbeaten in the Premier League is, is no... no um, easy feat to do especially considering where Aston Villa were six months ago or so to think if you'd have said back then when Stephen Gerrard was sacked at some point this season you'll go unbeaten in nine and win six of those seven of those you'd have gone yeah. oh, don't be stupid what, what have you been smoking so yeah, yeah the overall overall feeling is positivity don't be too damn beat about a draw and we go again on Fulham and you beat those and it's a, it's a great kind of couple of days yeah, absolutely. That's that. That's my overarching feeling on this as well. You know, tricky fixture. 
we mm. didn't didn't deal with it well, but we got a result that I think if we had gone out and played our if this was a ding dong back and forth up the field, absolute rip roar of a game with no sloppiness, with no bad misses and finished one all, we'd be going, Yeah, oh, great point coming away from Brentford. And um, you know, I said I said previously there was some really good players had good games and I know Christian Dorgad only played for one half, he came off and I think like the forty seventh minute, but he is just like he, he's very pivotal for those for, for Brentford. And we could see it in the first half when um, you know, we couldn't really create anything in the first half. He really stifled us there. And as I said, the Shadows and the but in Buemas um were able to come into come into their own. Playing at home, they've only lost I see there uh, some somebody had it in the in the comments there a moment ago. I've just lost yeah. the comments. Uh, somebody said Brighton of our Brighton Brentford have only lost twice at home this season. There you go, Alex. Um, they might last twice at home this season, and uh, we had no right to go there and get a win. The form we were in, we absolutely we were we were in, we were absolutely right to go there in hope of a win and almost expecting a win. But to come away from come away from a game that we we were hands down the worst team, the 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 the, the, the lesser of the two teams. I won't say the worst team on, on display, but we're the lesser of the two teams on display today. You know, to come away with a point. Like they're the games, as I said before, that have built the likes of you know built um, good seasons for the likes of um, you know Alex Ferguson. Just you can't lose kind of games, you know. If you can't win, don't lose. That should be the motto every time you go out. If you can't win, don't lose, and um, and we kind of take it from there, really, I suppose. Yeah, and we're gonna, always going to be in a great position if you think well, Villa are always going to score because that's yeah. what they do at the moment. I don't know when the the next game will come where Villa get nil. Because at the yeah. moment, every game under Emery score. So that that's something to hold on to if you're a player and you go 1-0 down, you think, well, we always score, so we're still in this. And, and you've got to have that mentality not to kind of put your head down and go, we've conceded, that, you know, this is annoying, oh, poor, poor us kind of thing. It's, yeah. no, we'll score. Like, we normally keep clean sheets. We haven't today, but we'll at least score. So, you know, we could at least get a 1-1 here. Like, let's keep going, lads. So that's the mentality you need to have, not kind of feeling sorry for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um I want to do a kind of little few other like plugs and stuff to end the podcast. Like I said, we'll do a longer episode in the week. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, which is again, we always love a nonsense segment at the end. I don't know what um, means you were watching the game on this afternoon. Gary Bertels on co-commentary. Did you have that one? I did. <sighs> I did. Now, I have, to be, I have to kind of be a little bit careful here because Gary Bertels features on our Forest podcast sometimes and I've, I've met him and he's a lovely bloke actually. He's a really nice guy on a co-commentary for Villa today specifically and I've not seen him. I've not heard him on games before that I've watched. But he was so... Like, I know we get comments about being negative sometimes but he was so negative about everything. Moaning about VAR, moaning about offsides, moaning about having to whip a ball in early. Like... Come on, Gary. It's not the 1980s anymore. It's very yeah. different. It just felt very strange. Some of the comments, like he didn't make for a great co-commentator, and I just thought uh, there were so many people tweeting me about it. I'll mention it on here as well. Just we'll have a moan about Gary Bertel's moaning. <laughs> yeah, there was a touch of the Victor Meldrews about about him today, wasn't it? Like you know, there was I had, there was there was a couple of times as well. And look, once again, I, I, I don't I don't uh, I don't don't wish any will in him or anything like that. But look, no, just to, today today there was it was a case of. There was borderline times, I think, where he might have just blurted out, in my day, we never would have, you know, there was that kind of feeling to some of it. But, you know, the game was ponderous, the game was slow, the game was, um, there were times when he's dead right, you know, I remember there was one one time when Aaron Hickey took forever to cross the ball in, thankfully for us as Villa fans, because he had, he, you know, he could have whipped one in and someone could have gotten in at the back post, and he was dead right to just talk about that, you know, and then, but, yeah, like, as I say, it was, uh, 
it was it was one that was universally greeted on social media. I think as uh, well, what's going on here uh, situation, but um, yeah, that's actually that's, the 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 last twenty minutes or so. I ended up watching a stream that was like Spanish commentary, and that was like, oh, this is exciting now. Like just dead. Like, the game was pretty quiet overall the like, the whole way through, like you said. But even that sounded exciting just because the commentators were up for it. Yeah. It's like a rebound at one point. I was like, oh, that was that was that was different. Uh, <laughs> and the commentary for the goal was like it's like the classic. It's like goal. So I think the social media post I did for Luis posting was goal at like that same length as well. Uh, so yeah, that cheered me up towards the end. The Spanish commentary over Gary Bertels. Um, last couple of things. I'm going to have to put you on the spot in a second. So I should have prepared you for this, but I'm sorry I haven't. So I'll do it now and we'll come back to it so you've got some time to think. So we're doing a podcast next week. I don't know when it's coming out, but we're recording it next week and it's going to be called Aston Villa Confessions. Now we've talked about this on the show before um, where fans can send in their anonymous confessions about anything. It could be about the badge, the kit, a manager that you don't like, a player that you do like, something that happened to you growing up. We had one saying that like, I wore lucky pants for like 10 games in a row and I was like scared to go and wash them and like things like this. It's anything. So Neil, for you, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to think of a Vastavilla confession of your own. I've just given you a few examples of what it could be like. You don't need to th- go for it yet. You can have a little think. I'll put the link to that in the in the uh, description below. So if you want to kind of get involved in that podcast, you can find the link below. Send in anything you want. It is anonymous. I swear to God, I can't see who who sent anything. It just says, what do you want to get off your chest? And then there's a box underneath and I don't see anything else, I promise. Daniel, I'll come back to that in a sec. The other th- a couple of plugs. You've got time to think here, so I'm going I'm to waffle for a second. The half marathon is something else we need to talk about. You can donate to our half marathon fundraiser. The link is down below. I'll also put it in the Facebook comments as well for the Facebook live audience. Um, I will do that now. It is there. Uh, gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash Claret Blue X Great Birmingham Run. Ash and Pat are doing the half marathon. I'm only doing the 10K because I've dropped down because my knee's killing. I don't get to run as often as I thought I was going to anymore. Uh, but still, we're raising money for the Aston Villa Foundation. Neil is pondering that question. Uh, raising money for the Aston Villa Foundation and Acorns. So if you can spare a couple of quid, um, that will go to two great causes. And the motivation will get me, Ash and Pat, around the course as well. The final plug before I come back to you, Neil, is we've got another episode with Alan Hutton coming out on Sunday, 23rd. It's only a short video. I think it's five or six minutes long. It's uh, quick fire questions with Alan Hutton and it's go-to takeaway, best prank you saw at Villa, best mate at Villa, those kind of fluffy questions. Uh, it's a good episode still, so it's worth a watch. So that'll be out tomorrow. Neil, have you got an Aston Villa confession? It's your time to confess. I, what do you want to tell us? Uh, well, I have one confession I want to make to a mate of mine, um, and I'm going to make it in a moment. That he's, he's not going to be watching this podcast, so I think I can make it to everybody. But I've got one, one thing I think is, um, I think a lot is made about, uh, this, this is going, I think this is going to be pretty uh, unpopular, but I think a lot is made about about the atmosphere of Crohn's. Um, mm. Sometimes I like sometimes I like to go and watch a game and I don't care whether anybody sings. I just kind of want to go and watch the game and you kind of sit there and you can see it. And I don't even know whether people are singing or not. So sometimes um, it's good to go to a game and it, it'd be raucous and have it like absolutely loud and feed into it. But sometimes, you know, it's good to sit at the game and just kind of go, oh, yeah, I could really take that in. I could see where everybody was. I could really yeah, I could really concentrate on it, on that game. So, you know, I sometimes when you see, oh, Villa Park wasn't on it tonight. You know, the fans weren't there. They didn't sing. They didn't get loud. I kind of think to myself when I go, 
Yeah, it's a plus if it happens, but you know, sometimes it doesn't need to happen like that. But the other one then, the other confession, I suppose this one is is um is 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 a more pertinent one. About thirty-seven, so about twenty-six years ago, I think I was about eleven, um, and I was at uh I was at one of my mates' house and his brother didn't really his brother followed football as such and he had a load of posters in his wall and he had a couple of villa ones. And um these couple of villa posters went missing and i happened to have the same posters in my wall um very shortly afterwards and when i was asked the question directly did i happen to lift said posters i may have denied it for 26 years um and still deny it to this day so yeah there were, it was a poster it was a mass it was one of them was a big poster of ian taylor and the other one was a uh, uh, poster of. There was a poster of. There was a poster of. I think it might have been just a small poster of Fernando Nelson. Fernando Nelson, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Fernando Nelson. Oh, it was Gary Charles. It was Gary Charles. Was the other one. Yeah. So the two of those mysteriously made their way back to my house. Um, and twenty six years later, I'm confessing that they were. Uh, it was my handiwork, and it was my version of kind of like the Thomas Crown affair. If you ever, if you've ever seen that that film where he goes robbing artwork. Um, when I watched that film, I had a laugh to myself, and I went, ah, ah, "I was exactly the same." I was—he's an amateur. At least I never got caught. <laughs> I love that. So this is exactly why this podcast, I think, is is going to be really good because random stories like that—I did not expect for you to basically admit on the show that you were a thief twenty-six years ago. Uh, but hypothetically, did it happen or not? Who could ever really say? Um, yeah. It's I don't, anonymous. I do... so who knows if this is even me? This could be AI. <laughs> You know, who knows? <laughs> I think the kind of end goal is the of the show is for whoever's on it, me, Matt, John, whoever. Like, do we forgive the person for their confession if they've done something bad? I can't. I don't think I can forgive you for stealing, Neil. I know you're only children, <laughs> but uh, it's not great, is it? And to deny I, it for twenty years as well, Christ. I, I, I'm not, well, there's this. They're the same type of posters ended up in my in my bedroom. I I, I couldn't say for certain <laughs> they were his, but. Uh, <laughs> The creases were in the same places and the tear was in the bottom corner. But look, that could happen to anyone. Could happen to anyone. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Neil. Thank you for confessing and being honest. That's what that's what we really appreciate. Um so there'll be links to the Alan Hutton podcast tomorrow, Sunday twenty-third. The fundraiser for our half marathon effort is also in the link below. Please consider a five hour, ten hour, two pound, whatever you can afford. It does go to two great causes in the Acorns and the Aston Villa Foundation. Finally, the box to go and give your anonymous confession for that future podcast like neil's just done uh, is also down there below as well coming up next week i think we're doing plenty more content as i said we're filming next week so there'll be stuff coming out i think me and john will do a q a or some kind of in further in-depth analysis about um today's game on monday possibly for a q a um so stay tuned for that thank you very much for watching this facebook live and youtube live on saturday evening neil thanks for stepping in as a as a guest as always we do appreciate it thanks for coming on uh, yeah, stay tuned for Alan Hutton tomorrow. We'll see you again on Monday. Thank you very much for watching and we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.